in a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. How, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, have you never seen one? I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. And welcome to the Video Nasties podcast. My name's Christopher Brown. To know life, Otto, you must first fuck death in the gallbladder. Bizarre gets thrown around a lot with the films on the Video Nasties list. But Andy Warhol's Frankenstein, also known as Fresh Flesh Frankenstein, sets itself apart from its peers. A bright, no-holds-bars romp with sex and violence smothered on top. The entire film was played out like a sneering joke against the genre. For example, the line that I just quoted about fucking death. A mangled reading from Udo Kier which was kept in simply because it made little sense but sounded right. Then there is the fact that the film was shot in 3D. Cue dismembered body parts flying out of the screen. Originally receiving mixed reviews on its opening... The film has now been reassessed as a cinematic classic and oddity and was massively successful at the box office. And don't let Andy Warhol's name fool you. This is very much Paul Morrissey's baby. The 1973 Italian-French horror film written and directed by Morrissey based on a script which was written mainly as notes on a few sheets of paper was produced by Andy Warhol, Andrew Bruceberg, Louis Perino and Carlo Ponti. It stars Udo Kier, Joe Deslandro, Monique Van Voren and, and uh, Arno Juring. It was shot in interiors, were shot but in uh, Cine City in Rome by a crew of Italian filmmakers. And as such is a lovely, lush, incredibly pretty film, but at its heart is some very unusual statements to be making. Andy Warhol, Frankenstein, is here. Kiss him! Kiss him! Newsweek magazine calls it the first original Frankenstein in years. A perversely fascinating movie. Only close. Ah! Not so close! I told... Stop it! What are you doing? I can't breathe! Stop it! Stop it! Andy Warhol's Frankenstein with its swooping bats, severed limbs, hideous decapitating devices, and various spare parts. They all slither off the screen in what Playboy magazine calls the most gruesome epic ever unleashed. Andy Warhol's Frankenstein, the goriest, sexiest, and wildest Frankenstein ever filmed. Udo Kier plays Frankenstein, who hatches a plan to build two superhuman monsters, one male, one female, to mate and create a superhuman Serbian army. Sadly, 
he's picked the wrong male brain. A confused asexual man. So his plan comes off the tracks. Meanwhile, the Baroness, who's also Frankenstein's sister, begins an affair with a farmhand. Otto, the Baron's servant, in a moment of lust of the female monster, sets off a chain of events, which lead to a bloodbath, while the Baron's children, assessed with dismemberment and torture, also aim to make changes in the castle. Possibly their own brokenness comes from their surroundings, but also the fact that they are inbreds. I know where to find such a man. I've been once to a house in town, certain kind of house. You mean a bordello, Baron? Yes. You, Baron? Yes. Why? You think I've never been to one? Oh. While I was in medical schools, most of the boys used to go to such a place. They always wanted me to go with them, knowing what kind of good student I was, never leaving my books, not even for one hour. And still I was foolish enough to want to be accepted in a company. Once I left my books and I went with them. What happened? It was terrible. All these overdeveloped women with their large breasts, unshapeless. And this kind of women supposed to give you pleasure with their filthy movements and dirty talk. How this woman even can compare with a beautiful creation like mine? Or even with my sister. To find a man who likes to make love to anything, we have to go to such a place. Made back to back with Blood for Frankenstein. People, I think, sometimes don't know what to make of the film at first. You can watch it and certainly say, well, this is a well-made movie, intelligence, but... Without the background of where it's come from, I feel it can kind of stumble somewhat. Warhol was used to sell the film, but this is very much Morrissey after a few dollars. Many artistic works, art criticism, film criticism, being written about the film. For example, on the Tate Gallery website, it states, In 1968, Warhol was shot and critically injured, and the ex extensive surgery he required left him badly scarred. In Frankenstein, with its graphic shots of disfigured bodies, Warhol can be seen as confronting his own body's mutilation. Despite generally unflattering reviews, it was a remarkable success following his 1974 release. Meanwhile, Freeze magazine in May 1994 has an essay on the film from Collier Schlaw, uh, which draws comparisons between Warhol's factory and the Baron's lab and has a very different take on what's going on in the background. The Frankenstein myth, revolving as it does around production, secrecy, cultish followings and the master-servant relationship, is a great model for looking at Andy Warhol and the factory. Any examination of Andy Warhol's Frankenstein was taken into consideration the relationship between the master and the disenfranchised servant that is mirrored within the construction of the Frankenstein lexicon. Although Warhol's in name, the film was written and directed by Paul Morrissey. 
in the making of his film, Morrissey becomes Warhol's Benjamin Cheever, compiling and distributing his father's secrets. Something went wrong. But what? Maybe the mixture of the blood wasn't right. You were the only one who knew about it. But maybe someone got into the laboratory. But who, Baron? The children, but they wouldn't do it. My sister. My sister. She always was very jealous of me, always. But we failed. That beautiful Serbian female. Everybody would have jumped, everyone. But maybe that head of that creature wasn't any good. His perfect nose. His perfect nose. He had the perfect brain. He was the king I wanted, and we failed. We have to try it again. Otto, we have to try it again. I'm going to prove that we can do it. We wait for so long. I think, like a lot of Morris's work at the time, such as Trash, the movie is a result of the surroundings. Although shot in Italy, it does have the uh, the touch of the factory on it. It's an attempt at a turbocharged shocker, one that likes to revel in excess and stare at unpleasantness. One which plays with sexuality and the pressures of staying in or coming out the closet and the damage that can have. It also has a... Uh, a heavy bent from Morrissey himself and his own political views come through. But I think the entire reason for a lot of this is the the film is a product of its own creation. Morrissey desperately ad-libbing his film as he goes along. The result can sometimes be slow and disjointed. Plot friends, plot friends pop up and then evaporate again. Also, um, there is an element of, um, well, something we'll get into in a minute, the idea that effectively Morrissey is poking fun at the excesses of melodrama and also the um, need and expectations of horror. He pulls a trick early on where he shows an, a close-up of an old woman's breasts in 3D. The idea behind that probably being... Um, to uh, attack those that had come to see the film solely for its salacious comment and content. But at the end, this is an all-grand knowing joke. Pushing into the gutter, aren't we clever for making a trashy movie? Look at the horrors and shock we can create. It is funny, but that is all part of its in-joke nature. Few will be grateful if they don't understand the sneering tone to modern consumerism that Factory produced. Or that this is a rumination on a different sort of trash to Morrissey's superior named film. Although that is less famous, it stands a better test showing a very grubby attitude to New York and to the people living in the underbelly of that area. This one pokes fun more at the lushness of uh, uh, and the uh, an audience eager to lap up shocking thrills do you want gore we will literally push it out of the screen towards you it owes more to pink flamingos than to hammer horror although it is fair it does look lush that is all part of the joke 
See, despite the vast amounts of sex and nudity in this film, Morrissey was a right-winger, a staunch critic of the free love movement, and his needs this f- and he used this film to show, in his eyes, the consequences of such romance. Screenwriter Tonino Gara gets a credit, and is better known as the author of Fellini's Amacord and Antonini's Blowout, La Blowup. But this is partly done. This was this work was more done to try and fill in the gaps that was made from the uh, the disjointed nature of just creating a film through a couple of pages of notes. Some Italian prints give second unit director Antonio Mogheretti a credit as director of the film, but Udo Kier states that Mogheretti had nothing to do with directing the movie, and said that other cast members received direction only from Morrissey and not see Margaretti on set. See, it was as a favour for producer Carlo Ponti, Margaretti agreed to take credit for free as director for the Italian release in order to help the film get funds from the government. Unfortunately, the fraud was spotted and the two men were taken to trial and lost. But who is this mysterious man, Morrissey? A man who... story is that he was found cleaning the floors... Of uh, of factory before propelling himself into uh, into the heart of the, of the movement. Morrissey attended Ampleworth College, a private Roman Catholic boarding school, and Fordham University, which was another Roman Catholic school. He then later served in the United States Army. He was a political conservative and self-described white winger, and publicly pr- protested against what he perceived as immorality and anti-Catholicism. I think that is interesting as it leads in to Frankenstein because the film very much focuses not just on the, the anti-God aspects of, um, of creating life that were touched on on the Frankenstein myth as, as you know, the modern day Prometheus from uh, Mary Shelley's book and right through to the modern day retellings of it. With, for Morrissey, he rather gleefully decides to mix that up with incest, inbred children, and incest and, and necrophilia. The uh, the scene where the Baron pushes his hand into the stomach of the um, of our female monster, her eyes flickering as if enjoying the the process, is certainly an idea of an unusual and alien sexual practice and the the concept that it, that that is somehow wrong or further wrong than what you know the other things that have been happening as well it's used to compound the baron's um sense of not uncanniness but maybe of um, being completely outside the system incidentally it's uh, that element that that freeze piece I picked up on talks about a lot the concept of Warhol being slightly outside and reveling in uh, some of the more unpleasantness obviously not you know going against God as such but certainly going against uh, what people the art fraternity and also the public sometimes and the, the government and the, 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 our moral custodians would like Morrissey's long-term collaboration um, 
with Warhol, who is apolitical and quite low-key, was viewed as being like a mismatch, effectively. Both men did share some traits, though. They were practically Catholics. Morrissey's uh, bold, avant-garde direction in filmmaking is attributed, I think, to War his work with Warhol and the factory gave him the opportunity to believe that he could do something different. Although Morrissey himself, in his memoir Factory Days, says that isn't the case and states that really it is his need to. It comes from his own experience rather than the experiences of, 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 of the factory. And I think to a point that is true, but I think no doubt the the, uh, the the area where he came from has sculpted him somewhat. And of course, Morrissey is also famous for discovering and signing the Velvet Underground. So the cut. The BBFC cut the 1975 cinema release by a staggering eight minutes. Um, and then Video Gems, in all their wisdom, decided to release an uncut VHS in September 1981. In 82, there was a re-release that was cut by two minutes, and then Vipco released the 82 cinema cut on video in November 82. It was possibly this famous scene where uh, the orgasmic grope, which um, and the statement that to know life you must fuck death in the gallbladder, that contributed to a frenzy, uh, frenzy that this film somehow contains scenes of necrophilia. And as such, it got added to the Video Nasties list in March 1984, where it stayed on throughout the panic and became one of the collectible DPP 39s. In 1996, we got another release cut by 56 seconds. And finally, in 2006, a DVD was passed uncut when resubmitted. So currently now it stands to be as past 18 uncut. And interestingly, it had its television premiere in the United Kingdom on November 17, 2009, when it was broadcast in 3D as part of a run of Channel 4's show called 3D Week. I think, um, sadly, I've only watched it flat on 2D, but uh, when you see plenty of uh, you know feet sticking out of the... Uh, feet sticking towards the, the screen and certainly a, a dismemberment near the end of a spear, you can understand exactly what Paul Morrissey was attempting to achieve with these shots. Interestingly enough, we've got I've got a little clip here of Udo Kier discussing the sound and the uh, the culture, sorry, the censorship that surrounded some of his films and Flesh for Frankenstein. I made films like a British film, The House on Straw Hill, with Viona Richmond, and I think that was censored because of her beautiful body. But I think horror is not uh, censored very much. I mean, if you you just have to, you just have to uh, read the daily papers and uh, and uh, this CNN and all that. That's more horror than anything else. I mean, you can see all what's happened in the world. So I don't think I don't think that. Horror, horror films are not censored that much. In England, uh, Flesh for Frankenstein is still not available on 
video. Um, how do you feel about that? Well, I have to talk to Paul Morrissey. We have to change that right away. I think, why is that? I mean, they're in Germany out, they're in Italy out. Why not in England? We, uh, it's not strict to censorship. That's the... I don't believe it. Absolutely, yeah. I it's a comedy. How, how is a comedy? Everybody knows Everybody knows that, that blood is syrup. I mean, come on. What is that? That I vomit? Is this maybe the censorship? To vomit is forbidden in England? In your well... Home. In your home country, how are your films perceived? What do you mean? Uh, are they accepted? They're not sort of. Are they cut at all? Do they? Do they have? Do they have bands? Do they cut particular scenes? No, but I remember. I remember which when I did my first film, Mark of the Devil, which people got actually with the ticket of vomiting back. That was censored, I guess. And I think censored was in Dracula, even in America, uh, a scene when. Um, I, when Joe Alexandro is raping the girl and there is some blood on the floor and I fly in and I drink the blood and, we, and because of everybody knew where the blood was coming from, I guess that's why it was censored. But censors, they have to work too. They have, otherwise they would be out of jobs. So what do we have here? A film that has been, was misunderstood, possibly, at its... Um, when it was first released, being reappraised to the point that it is deeply loved now. It has a 91% um, score on Rotten Tomatoes and has become a midnight movie classic. But also a film I think that, um, like a lot of the movies on the Video Nasties list, is a tad mean spirited. And certainly a film that exists because of excesses. Uh, that probably were a tad out of step with uh, the, climate at the, the climate at the time, the cultural climate. But nonetheless, certainly one of the more interesting films on the Video Nasties list, and uh, one I would certainly recommend you take a look at. To know death, Otto, you have to fuck life in the gallbladder. Okay, well, thanks very much for listening. Um, thanks also to the people who've been in touch. Uh, at Double Agent 73, this guy called Martin, we were chatting about um, about this film, actually, about, about that. He was, he was saying that he, he had it recorded from that Channel 4 3D season, so he was going give to give that a go. Um, so I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> it's a very unusual film, I think it's fair to say, but hopefully at least I've kind of given you a bit of... Um, background. I think when I first watched it my feeling was that it was obviously impressive and there was lots going on but I didn't really grasp what it was about until I read around. I think I watched it a little bit too young but um, from there on it's a, it's an incredible bit of cinema and uh, really interesting and um, although I've kind of said you know well you know it's a big in joke and you know I've kind of downplayed it a bit from that I quite like the idea that it's a big end joke. It's very much from a very particular time and a particular mindset. Uh, thanks also to Ask Grindhouse Dave, who's consistently and rather wonderfully um, kind of basically backed and um, and like you know pushed the podcast. His website is beardyfreak.com, where he discusses and goes through a lot of the films that we talk about. Uh, also thanks to um, 
Chris Armstrong, who is at Snoog. He gave a review on iTunes last week and also has his own web uh, podcast uh, called Wafu, Wafu FM. Uh, give that a um, give that a listen. It's got a lot of cool um, kind of eighties focused uh, horror and action movies and you know martial arts films. And he's very knowledgeable and he, he's a cool guy. He's a really cool guy. Thanks also to uh, at Tid seventy one. He's a guy called Neil Tidbury and uh, at Epa's Choice as well. He's a guy called Philip. Uh, these people have. Um, really back the podcast uh, and Philip's been with me since uh, the Night Gallery podcast days so I mean massive thanks for that and also to uh, Peter Schmidt who's at, uh, at Raskolinic uh, too as well these are all on Twitter um, okay so that's that uh, next week we are maintaining our highbrow ish um jaunt through the video nasties list uh, with the other big art house film that's on the list um, Possession that's because the Blu-ray is coming out in a couple of weeks and uh, I'm going to be able to give a review of the Blu-ray and also give a uh, give a real go and a, a great load of uh, information about what is a great release and what is a great film uh, so until next week, take care and I'll speak to you soon, goodbye seen a video nasty i wouldn't i have far too much how, how can you judge on a video nasty? oh you've never seen one i actually don't need to see visually what i know is in that film To know death, Otto, you have to fuck life in the gallbladder. <laughs>